You're listening to the Law Careers Net podcast, a monthly podcast designed to give you everything you need to know about becoming a lawyer. Hello, and welcome back to the Law Careers Net podcast, sponsored by the University of Law. This episode, we've teamed up with the University of Law to bring you an episode all about qualifying work experience, or QWE. Today, I'm speaking to John Watkins, Director of Employability at the University of Law, and we're going to cover what QWE is, how to get it accredited, and much more. So, John, my first question, to keep it simple, is what exactly is qualifying work experience? Essentially, to qualify as a solicitor, you need to pass a series of exams and you need to gain relevant work experience. In in the past, this has been called a training contract. Now it's called qualifying work experience. And it's really giving the opportunity for you to practice in advance of qualifying as a solicitor by supporting clients and gaining a range of skills. And then the combination of the studies that you've done and the work experience means that you're ready to be a solicitor. So qualifying work experience is the provision of legal services, which allows competencies to be developed and is signed off by an appropriate person. And then does that mean that, because we always get asked what's the difference between qualifying work experience and a training contract, using qualifying work experience is a training contract? Well, there are some differences. The key similarity is that they both last two years. So they are both of a similar length and they are also both designed to help you get ready for the challenges of being a solicitor. But the training contract was quite rigid. So you had to do certain things in certain places in certain ways. And there was definitely a restriction in terms of those numbers of people that could do it. Qualifying work experience is very flexible. You can do it almost anytime, any place, anywhere. And therefore, it does open up some opportunities for people to do things that will allow them to qualify as solicitors slightly more easily than they might have done in the past. But the main principle is it's about gaining the relevant work experience. What can count as QW? Because it's not just training contracts that can count, is it? No, essentially, you know, it is a very broad spectrum and it's being developed and tested the whole time, but you need to be providing legal services. So in in some way, you have to be giving advice of some sort to a client. So that's the the starting point. And it must develop at least two of the competencies or give you the opportunity to develop two of the competencies. Now, that's not particularly difficult to find because there's lots and lots of competencies required. So if your communication skills are developing, your technical skills, you're acting with uh, honesty and integrity, you should be able to meet that criteria. So actually a bigger bar is, are you actually providing legal advice? And then the secondary thing is that you have to have it countersigned, approved by someone who can say, yes, I'm happy to commit my name to you having done this work. So it needs to be somebody who is close enough to watching you do what you're doing to be able to say, yes, I'm happy to put my name, my reputation attached to something that will help you qualify as a solicitor. That makes a lot of sense. And you touched there on the competencies. So you spoke about acting with um, honesty and integrity and communication. And I believe correct me if I'm wrong, that the other two are applying understanding, critical thinking and analysis to solve problems and to be able to negotiate solutions to clients' issues. Is that right? That's right. If you look on the SRA website, it has a breakdown of of all the the competencies and there's lots of subsets underneath those main headings which break down and, and perhaps make a little bit more sense when people say, what does actually mean by acting with integrity? So you should see that. But really, if if you are 
engaging any sort of legal work where you are trying to help somebody, you would expect to have to use the competencies. Um, and those are things that will develop over the course of your career. So at the start of it, it's really about just having uh, you know enough of it to be able to say that you are familiar that in dealing with clients, you know, sometimes they're going to be emotional, you'll have to deal with them. Sometimes they're going to be aggressive, you have to deal with them. Sometimes they're going to want long reports. Sometimes they're going to want presentations. And, you know, you won't be brilliant at all of those things, but you know how to do them and you will get better as time goes on. Uh, my next question is, when should aspiring solicitors be completing the QWE stage? Well, I think it's important to emphasise the benefit of any work experience. Um, and that doesn't have to just be within a legal setting. It could be in a, a retail or a hospitality setting because work experience will make you more employable and more likely to secure a job. But the qualifying work experience, meeting those criteria that we've talked about above, um, really can can come in whenever um, you want to. In the past, it was always something that followed on from studies. Um, and therefore, there was a learn everything about it, then put it into practice. Um, and now you can actually do it before you study, during your studies, or after the studies. Um, it depends upon what the opportunities are. And obviously, if it's before your studies, you won't know an awful lot. So it'll be much, much harder for you to be able to actually give legal advice and therefore meet the criteria. So most likely it will be once you've done some studies, so either partway through or after you've completed them. Thank you. And you spoke there about having a wide range of bits of work experience. It doesn't have to be legal. And I, you know, that's something that we always hear from recruiters. Non-law work experience is really, really valuable and teaches you such a range of different skills that perhaps you might not get just from a legal office. Well, I think not only would you not get them, but also if you're holding out and saying, well, I only want to do something that's legal related, you could be holding out for a long time. Um, but if you know you want something that perhaps is a you know starting point in the law, um, you know applying for that by not doing anything else and hoping you'll get the opportunity, well, it reduces your chances in comparison to the person that's been doing regular shifts at Aldi and uh, worked in the hospitality industry who can show off that they've dealt with a wide range of customers, that they've had to manage their own time successfully, that they're a good problem solver. It makes them much much more employable. So I think it's a really important distinction here. Whilst qualifying work experience is the buzz phrase of the moment, never never neglect the value of any work experience it does make you more employable. So I think you touched on this briefly actually a couple of questions ago, but people want to know how do you get your QWE accredited? How do they record it? How do they register it? Yeah, well, on, on the, the MySRA uh, website, you would be able to record <laughs> what you have done um, and uh, keep a, a tally effectively of, of where you're at. Um, it, it is one of those things that actually you can only really apply your qualifying work experience when you're ready to apply for um, membership as a solicitor. So it really only comes at the back end. But there are some advantages in terms of recording it sooner. Um, if you've worked with somebody and they say, yes, I'm very happy to uh, confirm your, your qualifying work experience, um, but I'm going off traveling next year and I may not be contactable, then you would definitely be better off trying to, to confirm it there and then. But otherwise, as long as you've kept your own personal records, um, and you, again, there's a template on the SRA website, but it could be an Excel spreadsheet that just says, this is what I did. This is how long I did it for. This is the person I work for. These are the skills that I used. Then you've got a good comprehensive record, and that can be used, you know, preparing for interviews as well. Um, and it may be that at the back end of the, the, the process, you look down and you think, well, I've got lots of work experience that could be qualifying work experience. I don't need to register it all because I've got more than two years. Um, I'll do the biggest block because that's the easiest one. 
and then I'll add this one in. I know the two people that have got to, sell, to sign it, they're both available. And therefore, those two are the best ones out of my choice of four or five. Thank you very much. You actually jumped onto my next question there very helpfully for me because we always get asked, A, if QWE can be backdated and B, should people register their QWE as soon as possible? And I think what I kind of took from what you just said is that you can register it, but it might be wiser to wait, but you can put it into the template provided on the SRA. So at least you've personally got a track record of it. Keep, keep the record. I think the backdated question is, you know, if somebody's listening to this who says, oh, I'm now learning how to do it. I've been doing that sort of work last year. I didn't know it was that. And, you know, can I go back and ask somebody to to sign off? Um, you can go back and say, you know, something that you did a year ago, two years ago, three years ago might qualify. The, the challenge is whether or not adequate records have been kept to be able to, to prove that. Uh, and whether the person that you want to ask is still working at that organization and still has access to the information. And also, and I'm, I'm afraid that this does happen a little bit, people sort of saying, oh, well, you know, I, I don't know anything about this. I can't possibly sign anything when actually the encouragement from the SRA is that people should be looking favorably at trying to help people rather than putting barriers up. But change is obviously one of those things where some people think, oh, well, I'm not quite sure what's going on here. Um, and therefore, I'm not going to put my name to it. So there can be some frustrations. And uh, and therefore, you know, the backdating is one that, yes, in theory, but in practice, it, is, it can be a little bit more challenging. The question about, um, you know, should I record it now? Keeping a personal record, definitely. But it again, this is where I think career support is so valuable. It, it, it's often about, well, where do you want to go in the future? You know, if your desire is to be an employment lawyer and all of the qualifying work experience you've got is in family law, then you, you might have to think twice about the value of putting lots and lots of stuff down that's family law related um, and then applying for a job with employment law. So you might stop and think, actually, I need to rein in this family law. I need to get some exposure either to employment or other areas of law that then makes it more compelling when I come to apply for a job further down the line. That leads me on to because we get asked the question, do you have to specialise in the area that you put in as your QWE once you qualify? And we also get asked, can QWE just be in one area of the law? So it sounds like it can. It can be in one area of law. And, and I think there's there's a you know a, an understandable desire to grab any QWE you can find and and, and grab it and, and add it up and get to two years as quickly as possible. And I, I fully appreciate that that must be the, the logical thing in terms of, well, why would you wait any longer than you have to? But I think in terms of, of career planning, um, you know, it is helpful to know where it is that you want to go and then to take the right steps to get there. So I have seen some people who've come forward, what we certainly would classify as qualifying work experience, and they're therefore able to present themselves as a qualified solicitor. But they're going to find it much, much harder to then secure a job in a, a non-related field because they just don't have that experience. So my encouragement would be take that step back, think, well, what do I want to do? And then how can I gather relevant work experience in that area so that I'm not put in that position? Um, and that might just mean that you're gaining experience, which isn't qualifying work experience, or you don't claim it as that. It's very good. It's very helpful. But it's not actually going to be part of your future career. So you're not going to use it in terms of the, the application process. And now a short message from our podcast sponsor, the University of Law. The University of Law offers a range of undergraduate and postgraduate legal training and master's degrees designed by qualified experts to help students advance at any stage of their career. Their courses are employment focused, honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. 
Part-time and online study options are also available on many courses to help students work and study at the same time. Find out more about studying at the University of Law with the link in the podcast description. I want to take it back a couple of steps because we spoke about the fact that it can be quite challenging to get legal work experience. So if you haven't managed to secure a vacation scheme or a training contract, where else can you undertake QWE? Well, you're going to find that that increasingly employers are going to advertise opportunities as QWE. And they will say that by doing this particular type of work, it will qualify and we will sign it off for you. So I think they'll do that partly because they want to be transparent and partly because they know that if a candidate, a good candidate is looking at two jobs and one has QWE visibly attached to it and one doesn't, they're much more likely to go for the one that does. But it comes back to the first question you asked, well, what is QWE? Well, it's about provision of legal services. Uh, It's about development of competencies. If you're doing those things in whatever job role, um, then you are gaining qualifying work experience. It may not be labelled as such, and it may not be as easy to get it because nobody who you're working for has thought about it in that term. But actually, that's what it is. And that's why the flexibility versus the training contract is there, that actually it's about meeting a fairly simplistic definition and being able to do that in a very wide range of places. So you don't need to be working for a law firm. You could be doing something um, in a in a voluntary situation. You could be doing it in-house. You, you could be doing it in a number of different places, so long as you're providing legal service, services, developing the competencies, and most importantly, probably that you found that person who says, yes, I'm a qualified solicitor. I will add my name to, to your document. Fantastic. So I think, you know, from doing my own bits of research and graduate jobs, that's places like, I mean, people could do that in a placement year, paralegaling, law clinics and charitable organisations, perhaps. All, all of those. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, and again, you know, some, sometimes, you know, good quality students will push themselves from a role that probably is more administrative than anything else. But they'll say, well, actually, I've got some legal knowledge and I reckon I could stretch myself and do some further things. And you think, well, actually, if you did those further things, they would actually count as qualifying workers. And your employer will probably be impressed that you are going away from just doing basic admin and actually adding more value to them and, and to their clients. So, yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's going to develop. There's no doubt that SQE And the qualifying work experience regime is still relatively new. And there are lots of questions that are still being asked. But as time goes on, it will become more and more visible. And I think the language will move away from the reference to training contracts, other than to say that that used to be the way to do it. But it's no longer the case. We now just do it this way. Thank you very much. Now, outside of where, as in the physical places that you can do it, what about can qualifying work experience for the SQE be completed overseas? Um, Yes, it can. Um, And I think that's a very positive step. But um, the bit that there is most tricky is that it it must be uh, confirmed by a UK solicitor. So um, if you are working in um, an overseas place, um, then you need to look in your organisation to see whether or not there is somebody who is a UK qualified solicitor who can who can rubber stamp it. Getting a little bit more sophisticated um, you are allowed a third party to come into play. So if there is nobody in that area who can do it, but they know somebody who perhaps works in the UK branch who is willing to do it and is able to access enough information to know what you're doing and to make sure that they're happy with it, then they would be potentially able to do it. But that is an extra step. And it is, again, putting an extra burden on somebody who's not directly working with you 
taking responsibility, but putting their name against what you've done. Um, and therefore, it is probably, you know, you're going to find more people saying no, or it's harder to do that than elsewhere. So, so that is a tricky thing that if you're if you're wrapped up in a in a, an overseas organization with no UK solicitors, then the experience could be valid, but actually getting confirmation for it might prove very difficult. I didn't know about the third party sign off. So that's really interesting. Just before Christmas, I put out a question on our Instagram story saying, please send in your um, qualifying work experience questions. And one of the ones that I got was, does virtual work experience count? Yes. Again, as long as it passes the tests, it would do. And, And again, I think there's a difference here between virtual and you know, the way that we now work, um, you know, the the reality is that people sometimes go into offices and sometimes they don't. Uh, sometimes people will, will work either exclusively or predominantly from home. So it's still work. It's still uh, providing the legal advice. It's just not doing it from a physical office as it was previously. So I think, you know, if you are being else asked to do that, then definitely. Um, I guess the whole thing about being at the start of your career is that the the learning environment is often very positive if you're in and around other people that you've got people to turn to to ask for advice you've got people that walk past and say oh I I heard you having that conversation here's a few thoughts that I've got that helps you Um, the ability to watch other people in action listen to their conversations and think well that was good I'll I'll use that next time Um, actually in terms of developing the wider set of competencies and skills to be successful you might well find that actually you know you shouldn't you shouldn't be targeting virtual work experience you can add it in there but actually maybe it's a better bet if you if you try and have that as a, a proportion rather than the main thing that said of course you know if your personal circumstances dictate that you have no choice but to to work from home you're you know geographically a long way away or you have you know, a, you know, disability that prevents you from from doing that, then absolutely, you know, if you meet the key criteria, then you would be able to use it as QWE. The only other thing that I would perhaps add to that is if in the terms of actually virtual work experience rather than working from home, my understanding from when I've seen virtual work experience advertised is it's often only two or three weeks long, which means it's not a very significant portion. Yes, I think I think that's a very good point indeed. That again, that two to three weeks will be very valuable. You'll learn a lot, and you you will enhance your CV. You'll feel more confident. You'll be more employable. So it's definitely worth doing. Don't take decisions about well, it's not QWE. I won't bother. It's still very very useful. But I think there's lots and lots of scenarios where you might end up with two or three weeks. And it comes back to your earlier question: Should I record it? Um, you know, we have people at the University of Law doing pro bono, which which may be you know cumulatively no more than 20 24 hours in total um is it qwe well it probably passes the test so yes it would be but are you ever likely to use you know three three days three and a half days as part of your claim well it's just possible that you get to the end of the you know the the two years and you've done one year 11 months and uh and 29 days and you're missing two days in which case great i'll grab it and i've got the recording there but in most cases i think um, it's less less likely you're allowed to do four different component parts which it could be there for four lots of six months it doesn't require to be six months but i would have thought anything less than three months is probably less likely to be as powerful a qwe simply because you're still learning you know at that stage and you know the further on you get the more impact you can have 
Thank you very much. I think that's really useful advice. Um, now, one more question for you, and this is the big one. How are employers approaching qualifying work experience? Because I have heard from people that, that you could, you know, actually complete your two years qualifying work experience. But if you want to qualify into a firm, they might still require you to take on a training contract with them to qualify in the areas that they want you to qualify in. Yes, uh, I, I think employers are still sort of trying to work out the landscape, both from a, what suits them, but also, you know, how does it fit within the wider market? Because they don't want to be an outlier in all of this. Uh, but there are certainly employers who are saying, look, you know, we need somebody to be with us for two years so that we can bring them up on our systems, our way of working. And, you know, they may think that they're qualified, but actually, from our purposes, we're not going to treat them as such. Um, now, technically speaking, if you get the two years of qualifying work experience, however you get it, and you pass your exams, then you are able to apply for and become a qualified solicitor. Um, and it would probably be very difficult for an employer not to treat you as that, but they could choose to pay you a non-qualified salary and to give you roles and responsibilities that are non-qualified. And they might find you a bit of a troublemaker if you keep saying, but I'm qualified, I want this, I want that. So there's some tension in there. Um, I think a lot of firms are seeing that the QWE almost replaces the training contract. Do your do your studies and then come and join us for two years and we'll we won't call it a training contract because that's gone, but effectively that's what it is. And we'll move you around within departments. We don't have to, but we like the fact that people get exposure to different departments, so we'll carry on doing that. So I think there's a lot of variability. I think the interesting the new players are are the ones perhaps who are not the biggest employers. But they now see an opportunity perhaps to to get um, a relationship with with students and trainees that might not have existed previously because they're willing to be very hands on, very supportive, very flexible. Um, you know, come and do some studies and then come and work for us and then stop working for us and go and do some more studies. And we're quite happy to accommodate that. Um, and I think that could well be, um, a, again, an area that some students look at as being, um, you know, outside of what they might have been aware of two or three years ago but now actually that flexibility um which might suit both the student and the firm could well be one that is quite attractive in the future brilliant thank you very much well john that is it from me so thank you so much for joining me today i know there are going to be a lot of aspiring solicitors out there who will be far more confident in their knowledge of qwe because of this episode so thank you very very much for your help today you're welcome to our listeners, make sure to let us know if you found this helpful via either Instagram, which is Law Careers Net, or via email info at lawcareers.net. You can also let us know what other topics you'd like to hear us cover in the future. So till next time, goodbye.